Pirates attendance went up a little bit over the weekend. But their performance went down a lot. They lost three games in a row to lowly San Diego. And that is not the way to impress the ticket-buying public. What the Pirates need to do is to bring in Marc-Andre Fleury to pitch. I'm only half kidding. Although Austin Meadows was great upon his Major League arrival. We'll talk more about the Pirates later, or we won't. This is the Mark Madden Show, and if I had a dime for every time I turned on the radio and heard somebody more charismatic than me, I would have zero dimes. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call, or you can follow me on Twitter, at MarkMaddenX. You know what makes me puke? Well, besides undercooked McDonald's hash browns. True story. Puke twice because of that. But you know what else makes me puke? Everybody in Pittsburgh pretending now that they love Marc-Andre Fleury. And they're so happy for Marc-Andre Fleury with Vegas in the Stanley Cup final. About half the people who say that are either hypocrites or liabetics, or both. The people who buy tickets aren't hypocrites or lying. Marc-Andre Fleury always got mad love at the home games, even when he faltered. But between 2012 and 2015, half of Pittsburgh wanted to run Marc-Andre Fleury out of town. Fleury had two bad runs. The 2012 series against Philadelphia was a disaster, and he got benched for Tomas Vokun in the 2013 playoffs and should have got put back in, by the way. You're not winning the Stanley Cup with Tomas Vokun in goal. I know that for sure because nobody ever did. But half of Pittsburgh wanted to get rid of Flurry then, and even though he did much better in 14 and 15 and obviously much better in 16 and 17, and especially in the 17 playoffs. The Jamokes I'm talking about, the anti-Fleury brigade, they would not allow Marc-Andre Fleury to redeem himself until he left, until he started standing on his head for Vegas, until now. That's the truth. About half the people who are so happy now for Marc-Andre Fleury, are suffering from liabilities. And by the way, nearly everything with Fleury in Pittsburgh played out about right. Fleury was the better goalie this year over Matt Murray. Fleury had a better season. The numbers don't lie. But Murray was the better goalie the previous two years in winning two Stanley Cups. And the Penguins obviously did the right thing, keeping Matt Murray. Age was a factor, and money was too. But Murray proved himself decisively over the 16 and 17 Stanley Cup playoffs. And any argument that Flurry was the better goalie during that time is purely fictional. Uh, what Marc-Andre Flurry is doing right now will be remembered forever because it will never be repeated, and he's the cornerstone of what's happening. 
An expansion team will never do this again. Never. You could give Seattle or whoever, the next expansion team, you could give them the exact same rules in the next expansion draft, and the NHL probably will, but the NHL's GMs won't make the same mistakes they did this time. Whoever the GM of Seattle is won't play it like McPhee did in Vegas. The NHL's general managers will learn from the mistakes they made when McPhee played them like a piano. And and honestly, I think McPhee's a dope. But this was his one-hit wonder. This was McPhee's Macarena, or Gagnum style. And most important, Seattle, or whoever the next expansion team is, won't get a goaltender like Marc-Andre Fleury. That Hall of Fame goalie, still in some part of his prime, just won't be available. Marc-Andre Fleury is why Vegas is in the final. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Fleury might be the playoff MVP no matter what happens in the final. Win or lose, the Conn Smythe winner. Unless he totally collapses in the final, which he won't. But this is an expansion team in the final. And Flurry is the biggest part of that. It's like Leicester City winning the English Premier League in 2016. It's a unique situation. Honestly, I can't believe those two things have happened in such close proximity to each other. But if Vegas doesn't win, I'm I'm not going to say that their run would quickly be forgotten, but they would go from being the little engine that could to the little engine that didn't quite. Uh, Vegas finished off Winnipeg yesterday. 2-1 at Winnipeg. Ryan Reeves got the game-winning goal. So now people are going to say, oh, he should have played more for Pittsburgh. But nobody said that when he was a Penguin. But go ahead and complain. Complaining is what this town is all about. Now we got Washington and Tampa Bay tonight. Game six, Tampa Bay was down two games to none, but are now up three games to two. And if you're rooting for Vegas, root for Washington to at least extend the series to a seventh game and hopefully for Vegas' sake to win the series and take on Vegas in the final because I sense that Tampa Bay would be a much tougher matchup for Vegas than Washington because Tampa has excellent goaltending in Vasilevsky and Washington, because of their lack of depth, is starting now to fade. How about Ovi in the last game? Game five. Played four minutes and 28 seconds out of the last four minutes and 48 seconds. Scored a goal and was a constant threat. If Washington chumps out and loses and doesn't make the final, make fun of the Caps, but don't blame Ovi. Like always, when the money's on the table for the Washington Capitals, Alexander Ovechkin is giving it absolutely everything he's got. We're going to talk a lot more about the hockey playoffs 
on today's show, Mike Zeisberger, our buddy from NHL.com. He's live on the scene for Game 6 in D.C. tonight. He'll be joining us at 3.30. And then at 4.30, we'll talk to longtime Pirates beat man, John Parada. Uh, Austin Meadows, like I said, 5 for 11 with the home run over the weekend. But what happens when Marte comes back? Do you keep Meadows in the lineup and bench Polanco, who sucks that lot? And the answer is, no, you do not, because Polanco's making $5.5 million. And if he's making $5.5 million, he is going to start. Here's the way I picture the whole pirate outfield situation playing out. Corey Dickerson will have his usual second-half swoon, and then at season's end, they will not pick up Dickerson's option, and he'll just leave. And then the Pirate outfield next season would be Polanco, Marte, and Meadows. That's what makes the most sense financially, right? And whatever makes the most sense financially to the Pirates is what makes the most sense, period, to the Pirates. Hey, how about Connor McDavid, the golden boy? Canada lost to Switzerland in the semifinals at the World Championships. Switzerland to Roman Yossi and a bunch of guys you never heard of. Switzerland. First Edmonton underachieved with McDavid, and then Canada underachieved at the Worlds with McDavid. Is anybody starting to notice a trend here? Uh, Sweden won the World Championship, by the way. 3-2 over Switzerland in a shootout, so Hornquist got to win that. Uh, we got Ben on hold. Hopefully he'll stay on hold. We got Zeisberger at 3.30. And in a few moments, we'll continue to talk about all the scab picking that's going on among Pittsburgh hockey fans with Flurry doing so well in Vegas and that having wrongly and inexplicably made Matthew Murray into a scapegoat. It's almost enough to make me root against Vegas. But I am rooting for Vegas. I'm rooting for Flurry. But unlike many of you, I'm not rooting for Mark because it proves Pittsburgh wrong about the goaltending. What Rutherford did, keeping Murray, was exactly the right thing to do. And every general manager in hockey history would have done exactly the same. 1059 The X. Super genius. <laughs> I'll say. And then some. The X at 1059. Uh, the flurry nitpicking is unreal. But what do you expect from a city that cheered when Terry Bradshaw got hurt after he won four Super Bowls for this dump? Pittsburgh is a crap sports town. Most towns are. Now, I am rooting for Mark andre Flurry in the Stanley Cup final. But because I know him. I know Mark. You don't. So I am rooting for Mark andre Flurry for sure. But not because it proves the Penguins wrong. Because the Penguins made the right decision keeping Murray. I'm just rooting for Marc-Andre Fleury. Like I always have. Like so many of you didn't, but pretend to because you're a big bag of jerks. The best example of nitpicking is Murray never won 16 games in the playoffs. That's true. 
In 2016, he won 15 games. Jeff Zatkoff won the other one. Maybe Zatkoff should be the Penguins' number one goalie. Stuff like this irritates the urine out of me. It really does. I see people from Pittsburgh using the hashtag VegasBorn on Twitter. Shut the frig up. You were Bloomfield-born or wherever, and nobody there likes you. Uh, the Backstreet Boys showed up at the Vegas home game the other day, game four. If that keeps happening, I will definitely root against Vegas in the Stanley Cup final. I am also rooting against the Golden Knights Twitter. Like the town? Like the team? Like Mark? Like Gigolo Jimmy? Like Engo? Don't like the Backstreet Boys. Don't like the Vegas Golden Knights Twitter. Uh, Getting to the Buckos before we get to some hockey calls. Uh, Austin Meadows came up and went 5 for 11 with a home run, and, and that's pretty good. Let's see how long it lasts. On the B team, they were saying, hey, why can't Meadows stay in there and make Polanco the fourth outfielder? Because he sucks. Like I said, Polanco makes 5.5 mil per year, so he's playing. Anyway, let's see how good Meadows is and for how long. This is Polanco's fifth year in the bigs. He's only had one year, 2016, where the numbers even remotely measured up. Uh, I wonder how long it is before you consider trading him, which would get that $5.5 million salary off the books, how long it is before you think Gregory Polanco is a bust. So that's a bad weekend for the Pirates this past weekend. Back down to fourth place, and Milwaukee is in first. Uh, Milwaukee, St. Louis, and the Cubs will all do more to improve their teams at the deadline than the Pirates do. Bet that. Uh, The horse that won the first time also won the second time. And if he wins the third time, it's a real big deal, and he'll be recognized as the best athlete in the country even though he's just a friggin' horse. And that's your horse racing update for today. Let's go to Ben in Forest Hills. Ben, you're all with these super genius. Hey, super genius, what up, man? What up? Hey, I just wanted to say I'm a big fan of you, big fan of Flurry. He's the reason I'm a goalie myself. I wanted to ask your opinion. What do you think, is he going to continue to shine as the star in Vegas the next few years if they keep the same caliber team? Where do you play goal? I play goal at uh, Neville Island, RMU. What level? What league? Uh, C-League. Is it roller hockey or ice hockey? Ice hockey. So is that your only experience, men's league ice hockey? Yes. Well, you're certainly more than qualified to to analyze goaltending. Um, I think the Knights are going to be real good uh, for a number of years. They have a ton of cap space. Uh, They will be a preferred destination for free agents. If they get the right ones, they could be even better next year than this. But capturing lightning in a beer bottle like they have this year, I I don't know if they'll do it again. I think they'll make the playoffs next year. It would not shock me if they went out in the first or second round, although that's not a real good division they're in. I will say that. But if I were the Golden Knights, I would want to make the most of right now. Uh, I think they're going to continue to be good, but... uh, it doesn't always work out the way you think it will. For example, 2010 till 2015, right here in Pittsburgh. 
Let's go to Nathan in Mount Lebanon. Nathan, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mike, I'm on board with you about keeping Murray over Flurry, but it is true that we have pretty much the same team for 16 and 17. Are there any moves that GMJR made over the last couple? Like, of the last season that you would criticize, either Kunitz or Colin or no. Reeves. There's, there's nobody no. that you think we should have no. maybe kept? No. Anything else? No, that's my only question. I, I mean, what what do you think? It really, really helped. What I think do you Ian think? Cole would have been a major addition to this league, this team. Who would have been? Ian Cole. Right, the fifth defenseman. Not having him. Yeah, that's Brissard why they didn't lost. Do anything. Brissard didn't do anything. Right. Uh, how'd Columbus do? I... I I forget. It slips my mind. Well, okay. Well, that's one guy. Oh, no, 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 no. But you, no, 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 no. Stop right there. You're judging okay. Cole's absence based on how Pittsburgh did. So why can't I judge? Why can't I judge Cole's presence by how Columbus did? You can. I just think. No, 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 no. If you can, I for sure can. And each makes just as much sense. So anything else? Didn't think so. If if you want to blame Cole's absence for why the Penguins lost, you go right ahead and do that. Columbus went out in the first round with Ian Cole. So I'm going to blame that on Cole's presence. And that's just as logical. But it doesn't fit your narrative. God, that one, what's her name? I hope she's listening. What a jerk. Let's go to Keith on the south side. Keith, you're on with these super genius. Mark, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hey, I agree. The biggest night, I can't stand it when they bring them backstreet boys up, but maybe they could bring your uh your one of your favorite groups on. The fat boys just Gee, fat joke. <laughs> uh one of the barstool guys called me fat today. How cutting edge. I'm just so intimidated when those guys come at me. Don't come at me, Stoolies. Please don't come at me. It's so scary and intimidating. Just like this loser on the south side. Probably sweeps up at the cheesesteak place. 412-333-9939. Jim Rutherford talked uh, to Jason Mackey, the Post-Gazette, today. Uh, nothing of, of, of huge note, although he did give Tom Wilson some crap of the Capitals for not fighting Alexiak during that playoff series. I'll give you those quotes in just a little bit. But Rutherford said he wants... More scoring balance, a bottom pair defenseman, and to extend Brian Russ' contract. Well, obviously more scoring balance would help, but I don't know where you go and get it, given the way your roster's composed and given the cap implications. A bottom pair defenseman, maybe the best thing to do there would be to sign Jamie Alexiak to an extension, who's a restricted free agent. Uh, or maybe not. Like when I heard Jim say about giving Brian Rust an extension, I like Rust. Good player. Very versatile. But guys like that are the guys who come and go in a cap league. They're very interchangeable. Like, looking back, giving Sherry that multi-year deal, that, that doesn't look so good right now, right? You let those guys be interchangeable. That's just how the system works. Not that I'm going to question Jim, but that's how the system works. 412 up next, from NHL.com, one of our favorite hockey gurus, it's writer Mike Zeisberger. Up next on 105.9. This is Jake Gensel of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden in the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. 
I just tweeted a picture of Marc-Andre Fleury posing with Vince Neal of Motley Crue, Vince in a Vegas Golden Knights jersey. Forget about making the Stanley Cup final. That is when it all became real. Joining me now, one of the best hockey writers of his or any other generation from NHL.com. We welcome back to the program Mike Zeisberger. Zeiss, you were on the scene in D.C. for Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Final. How did it come to this? How did the Caps go from up two games to none to down three games to two? Well, first of all, Mark, thanks for having me. It's always a, a pleasure uh, being on with you, my friend. And uh, Yeah, it's been kind of a weird... Uh, a weird, a weird series. And by the way, I just uh, as I'm talking to you, I've got Twitter here uh, open in front of me, and I just saw somebody say, "Should the Penguins have kept Flurry over Matt Murray?" Now people got to relax a bit, Mark. There was a lot of salary cap implications here. Number one, and number two, Matt Murray hoisted the cup. The you know prior to this year, the past couple of years, so people have to relax a bit. I'm with you, but unfortunately, Zeiss. I have not chosen the relaxation business. Uh, but what about the Caps? What's going to happen tonight? Because when they won the first two games at Tampa, I'm not going to say I thought it was in the bag, but I didn't expect them to lose the next three, that's for sure. No, and the, the weird thing is, Mark, I mean, uh, if you look at the way these games played out, so the Caps win the first two games in Tampa. Game three was the best game that Tampa has played, so they narrow the series to 2-1. to one. Um, but then, you know, you can argue that in Game 4, uh, very much so, um, Washington, for, for more than half that game, was the better team. But as we know, the better team doesn't always win. Um, we saw last year in the Stanley Cup Final with the Penguins, um, you know, I, I, was it Game 1 where the Penguins went something like ridiculous amount of time without a shot against Nashville? And yet they won. It's it's as you well know, Mark. It, it go, comes down to goaltending and taking advantage of your chances. I thought Tampa played well in Game Five, but once again, Washington pushed at the end. So, you know, there's a lot of people that think that Tampa probably has been outplayed in 11 of the 15 periods in this series so far. But the bottom line is, uh, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is on the scoreboard. And so you wonder in game six, how is this going to play out? The other bizarre thing about this, Mark, is up until uh, Tampa won game five, the road team had won every single game in this series. So it's going to be fascinating because, you know, the Capitals, everybody around the Capitals thought, oh, we've exercised our demons once we beat the Penguins. They were kind of, uh, you know, Washington's Achilles heel they finally got past that. They won the two games. Everybody was talking about house money. But now that the Caps have lost three in a row, you're hearing the same things all over again slowly start to creep in. Oh, are the Capitals, uh, you know, is this the same old Caps? Are they doing their usual playoff thing? So you have to wonder, is this stigma ever going to lose, uh, ever going to be wiped away from this franchise unless it can get past this? And, you know, we thought that was going to be the case when they beat the Penguins, but it's starting all over again. No, that's that's well put, Zeiss, but I do know one thing. Whatever happens to the Caps, if it's bad, it's not Ovi's fault. 
At the end of game no. five, when he played almost all of the last five minutes and scored a goal, that was epic. And his production, his effort, his plays ice, it's been pristine, hasn't it? No, it has. And I mean, it, you know, Mark, they, they always bring this stuff up. Uh, I, I mean, you know, even in the, the, some of those series that they lost to the Penguins, uh, I, I thought that Ovi, Ovi did show up. They just weren't getting the saves when they needed it. Um, or some of the other big names never really uh, stepped up when they needed to. But I never thought Ovi uh, played that poorly uh, in those series. And you look, I mean, look at San Jose all those years. And there's actually people that look at Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe and blame them for the fact that uh, San Jose, despite having so many regular seasons that were stellar, could never, ever uh, win a Stanley Cup and only made it to one Stanley Cup final. Well, I would tell say to those people, go look at the uh, go look at the uh, save percentages of the goalies that played back in there. Um, you know, uh, whether it was Antti Niemi, whether it was uh, um, you know uh, Evgeny Nabokov. Uh, you know, it, Patrick Marleau is going to the Hall of Fame. Joe Thornton's going to the Hall of Fame. Alex Ovechkin, Ovechkin is going to the Hall of Fame. Okay, um, I think we saw from what happened out in uh, Alberta this year in Edmonton that, uh, you know, when, when, when you look at it, this is not a sport in which – this is not basketball, okay? You can have the LeBron of hockey on your team. You know, some would argue that that's what Connor McDavid might be one day. You know, some argue that that's what Sidney Crosby is. But it's not a one-team, it's, it's not a one-player uh, sport. Uh, team can't win without guys around them. Sid will be the first to tell you that. You've been around the Penguins long enough that you've seen that firsthand, Mark. And therefore, you know what, I mean, like you said, I think it's a great point. Um, you know, people can wag an accusing finger if the Caps come up short again, but don't point it at Ovi because he's done more than his uh, share. I'm not sure a finger would have to be pointed anywhere, no matter who wins the series, Ice. i got to tell you, though, I think Vasilevsky in goal for Tampa has been above and beyond. And Holtby hasn't been bad, but he's not made the big save like Vasilevsky and like Holtby did in the series against the Penguins. Well, yeah. And, um, you know, but the other, the other thing is, Mark, uh, let's give Vasilevsky a little bit of love here, too. No question. He has played, he has played outstanding. Um, even the other night, you know, like uh, Pittsburgh gets, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, Tampa gets off to a big start. Um, you know, you're, you're watching this and saying like, well, maybe Holpe could have had uh, could have had one of them. The third goal, like Ovi Rams uh, uh, Callahan, and the puck goes in off his glove. Um, Holpe couldn't have done anything about that, but I thought that Holpe actually kept the Capitals in the game. But what it's going to come down to, especially at this point, is making the big save at the crucial time. And you remember, Mark, you're, uh, you've been around long enough to remember, remember this, too. When the Edmonton Oilers were having their great uh, run um, back, in the, back in the 80s, they always said about Grant Fuhr, he'd let in the first five when the score was 5-5. But when the Oilers went ahead 6-5, you couldn't get that next one past them. And I think that's going to be the key to Holpe. If this is a close game, it doesn't matter if a wobbly one goes in. It's going to be, you know, when the difference maker is there, 
when the game is on the line, can you make that one save that you need? And I think that, that more than anything else, is the most intriguing thing to me uh, in Game 6 and a possible Game 7. Which of these two goalies, forget about what happens in the first period, but who can come up with a big save in the third period? And we saw that from Vasilevsky uh, in Game 5 when there was 10 seconds left. John Carlson was left alone in front of the net. Vasilevsky makes a big save. That right there, Mark, is the difference between winning and losing a playoff game. We're talking to Mike Zeisberger of NHL.com here on 105.9 The X. I want to talk about Vegas for a second. Uh, the Golden Knights are already in the final. Could this happen again ever with an expansion team's ice, even with the same rules for expansion? Because I'm not sure it could. This was the perfect storm in so many ways, wasn't it? Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, you're asking me for an explanation about something that I still, I mean, I'm having trouble believing. I mean, I have to believe it because it happened. It's reality. But I, I can't explain it. I mean, I've, I've seen the explanations about, you know, because there was only one team, the, the expansion draft uh, regulations were loosened a bit and they got better players. But, Mark, let's be honest, Okay. They were still second and third line players. This team is going to the Stanley Cup final. Um, I, I, I really can't explain it. I really have not seen anything of this in almost three decades of, of covering sports. And I'm at the point now that when you know people ask me for my opinion on it, I said I, I, I really have no, I can't break it down other than the fact that we should all sit there and watch this Cinderella story go on. I mean. I've said all year, all year, that, you know what, um, when you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, the clock is going to strike midnight, um, something's going to happen, uh, you know, and, you know, they'll, they'll turn into pumpkins. Well, you know what, the clock seems to have run out of batteries because it's never struck midnight, <laughs> and... You know, I don't know what else to say, Mark. I just sit there and... Oh, no, no. I, I agree, I Zeiss. And, and while I agree with what you said earlier, that keeping Murray was absolutely the right move by Pittsburgh, how often is a Hall of Fame-level goalie available in an expansion draft? I don't know if that's ever going to happen again. So I put yeah. a lot of the success squarely on Marc-Andre Fleury. Well, and I'm going to throw something out at you, okay? And we both, uh, we both big Flower fans. We both enjoy it. Uh, have enjoyed not only watching him on the ice, but the classy individual that he is off the ice. I mean, um, what he did, I believe, after game three, after Vegas won four to two, after that victory, he had the two boys of the coach of the Humboldt uh, team, um, the, the coach of Humboldt who died in that awful, awful uh, bus accident. He's playing bubble hockey with those two boys. And that just goes to show you what a quality human being Marc-Andre Fleury is. So, you know, you look at that, and I, I you know, that, I don't know what to say about that, except, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever met a better person in sports than Marc-Andre Fleury. And I'll throw this to you, Mark, because you've watched him all these years. I have too, but not at, not at the point that you have. Um, has he ever played better? I know he played great for the Penguins, but let's be let's be honest here. Some of those saves he's making are ridiculous. Period. Yeah, no question. I I've never seen him play better for a sustained stretch 
as he has in the Stanley Cup playoffs, maybe in 09, maybe last year in the series against the Capitals, but this is the longest he's played his best, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know what to say. Um, I will say this. I think that the Winnipeg Jets also shot themselves in the foot. Um, in three, after they won game one, they, okay, let's put it this way. They scored three goals, and I don't care how good your, the goalie is that you're facing. They scored three goals in the first seven minutes of game one. They scored seven goals in the next 14 periods, Mark. You cannot <laughs> win that way. Here's the other thing, okay? Games two through four, which, and they lost every one of those games. Within two minutes of the Winnipeg Jets scoring their first goal, the Vegas Golden Knights answered. Any coach will tell you the most important shifts of a game are the one or two shifts after you've scored a goal. Okay, And you know Paul Maurice was preaching that to his players. What you can do with it, I have no idea. Because, you know, we always talk about coaching, but how many times can you tell your guys, look, we got to seal it up after we score, and they keep letting goals in like that. So, you know, um, I know a lot of times in these post-mortems, teams look, you know, look, you know or critics look at the coach, coaching aspect of it, and maybe there are some, but I think in this case the players have to look themselves in the mirror um, because you just can't like you just can't be giving up goals all the time after you've scored them. That's just a recipe for disaster. What's your call, Zeiss? Who wins the Eastern Conference Final? Who wins the Stanley Cup? Uh, I think Tampa's going to win both. I just don't know if they'll win tonight. Zeiss, great stuff as always. Fabulous insight. A pleasure to have you on, my friend. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for having me on, and uh, all the best to all my friends in Pittsburgh. Thanks, Mark. That's the great Mike Zeisberger. We didn't even get a chance. He's got a great story up at NHL.com about Steven Stamkos, so be sure to read that. Stammer says he knows this might be his last best chance to win the Stanley Cup. This just in, breaking news. Lou Lamorello will be hired to run the New York Islanders hockey operations. Uh, Lamorello recently ditched by Toronto now in charge of the New York Islanders. Jim Rutherford will certainly be celebrating because he's a veritable youth next to Lou Lamorella. What's Lou, 75? Crikey. We got John Prada talking buckos next hour. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius. Yeah. Mark, love the show. Well, if I won you over by imitating Dusty Rhodes, the American dream. So be it, baby. The X at 105.9. I just mentioned that Lou Lamorello, longtime general manager at New Jersey and most recently at Toronto, where he was let go at the end of the current season, the end of the Leafs season, other teams are still playing. And maybe that was part of the problem for Lou. But uh, he's reportedly taken the job directing hockey ops for the New York Islanders. And Elliot Friedman, the Canadian hockey guy, says that Lou talked to John Tavares last week, who's going to be a free agent with the Islanders. Lou and Tavares allegedly talked last week before Lou took the job, so some are figuring that Tavares must be staying. 
if Lou took the job. I would dispute that for two reasons. A, Elliot Friedman is almost always full of crap, almost always wrong. And B, if Lou wants a job at 75, beggars can't be choosers. And he has an impeccable record, but he's 75. So I think Lou just was going to take that job regardless and just wanted a heads up from Tavares so he knew what he'd be up against when he did take the job. No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Here's a great stat. Last night was Marc-Andre Fleury's fifth game of these playoffs with 30 or more saves and one or zero goals a lot. In the last 30 years, only Tim Thomas in 2011 and Henrik Lundqvist in 2014 have had more. Which just confirms what you'd have to be stupid to not. Marc-Andre Fleury's having an unbelievable playoff. He's the primary reason the Golden Knights are in the final, and he is the prohibitive front runner to win the Conn Smythe Trophy as playoff MVP. But it doesn't mean the Penguins should have kept him and got rid of Matt Murray. No matter what some of the hoi polloi might be saying, there is no scenario you can come up with to justify getting rid of the 23-year-old goalie who won the last two Stanley Cups, makes $2 million less per year, and is 10 years younger. You can't come up with a scenario where keeping Flurry would have been the smart move, and how great he's playing in these playoffs doesn't change that. I got a column coming out about that in the Trib on Wednesday. Been working on it. But uh, if you wonder why the Golden Knights are so good, don't look too far past Flurry. And then look at stuff like this. Pittsburgh gave Vegas a second-round pick if Vegas would take Flurry. Florida gave Vegas Jonathan Marcheseau as long as they took Riley Smith. Minnesota gave Vegas Alex Tuck as long as they took Eric Holla. The Columbus Blue Jackets gave Vegas a first and second round pick to take William Carlson, who then scored 43 goals, as long as Vegas took on the contract of David Clarkson, who's hurt but not retired, because if you retire, you don't get paid, and so he still counts against the cap. David Clarkson, by the way, is now a high school hockey coach in Ohio. He's not retired, but he's not playing again either. I wonder if he'll get a Stanley Cup ring from Vegas if the Golden Knights win. Ordinarily, I'd say no, but the Penguins give their friggin' Usher Stanley Cup rings. You know, uh, Colin Dunlap on the B team was talking about that this morning. Is it dumb that an organization gives everybody a Stanley Cup ring? I think it's really dumb. I can't imagine any scenario where an Usher deserves a Stanley Cup ring. I'm sorry, but I just can't. He wiped off the seat real good. Let's give him a ring. No disrespect to the ushers, but you didn't help win the Stanley Cup. The secretaries didn't help win the Stanley Cup. The security guards didn't help win the Stanley Cup. The peanut vendors did not help them win the Stanley Cup. 
Uh, I watched The Naked Gun this morning. Well, I was on the treadmill. It's one of those movies that's so stupid, you're embarrassed to like it and think it's funny. But I do. Uh, there's a very thoughtful story in Sports Illustrated. Some of the best work that publication has done in quite some time. And ironically, the New York Times did a story on the same topic at the same time, and it's pretty good too. There's this pitcher at Oregon State named Luke Heimlich. And he confessed to molesting his six-year-old niece when he was 15. Now, Heimlich says he didn't do it. Now, Heimlich says he confessed because it was the best legal option and easiest for the family. Now, he's the best pitcher in college baseball and couldn't make millions in the big leagues. But it looks like no team will give him a chance because of what he is convicted of doing and the terrible PR that would accompany. This is a tough situation. Like a college coach said, quote, what's he supposed to do, kill himself? I mean, should he pay for the rest of his life and not use this gift because he did something horrible when he was 15? Or didn't, he says now. Read the story. It's not as simple as you might think. Legally, Heimlich fulfilled every requirement. By the way, the story didn't break until last year when he was lighting it up at Oregon State. The Oregon State coach says he didn't know about it when he recruited Heimlich, but he supports him now, obviously, because he's playing and he's winning. It's it's an unbelievable story. And before you just dismiss and say, ah, that kid should burn in hell. He should never play baseball again. What's Oregon State doing? The pros are right. Read, Read the story and see what you think. Uh, Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, released the league's official reaction to legalized sports betting and said that certain core principles must be adhered to. I don't remember what they are because I don't care. I just wish Goodell would make his players adhere to a few core principles like don't rape, pillage, and plunder. Football players are totally incorrigible and Goodell is talking to somebody else about their core principles. Give me a break, Gene. Let's go to David on the turnpike. David, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark. My question is, uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, do they inherit the contracts of the players that are currently on their roster? Yeah, of course they did. Okay. Okay, that's all I have. They they have a ton. You could have... Google that or ruin my show. I think you made the right decision. Uh, of course they inherited the contracts of the players they drafted. That was part of their decision-making on whether or not to take the player. But they have a ton of cap space for next year. Just a ton. You mark my words. If they bring in Eric Carlson, they won't do as well. They'd have to trade for him. He has one more year left in Ottawa. they bring in John Carlson, they might win the Stanley Cup. Maybe, again, depending on how this year goes. I'm Mark Madden. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. The Steelers' OTAs are just around the corner. And I'm going to tell you who's not going to be there. I'm sure you could guess. 105.9 The X.